Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Hey, so um, when a baby's born, what are some of the first things we want to know? Usually the sex, right? Is it a boy or a girl? Maybe we haven't already found that out because nowadays you can actually find out ahead of time. Maybe we want to know the weight. This is the only time in a person's lifespan that you can ask their weight. And bigger is better. Not to mention it, it's the only time I tend to use pounds and ounces too. But once we know everything's safe, once we know the mum's okay and the baby's okay, the next thing we want to know is who does it look like? Yeah? Do they have mum's hair colour or, or dad's eyes? <laughs> Perhaps they have traits of their older siblings. And as a dad of daughters, it's so weird when people say, they just look just like their dad. The photos of other kids that must look like their dads. <laughs> Love the moustache on this one. Maybe this one. What about this one? Yeah. See, as we grow older, sometimes, in fact, maybe when we become parents ourselves, we start to realise it can actually come true. There's times when we do start to imitate our parents, maybe in our appearance, but maybe in our behaviour. I remember when I was a kid, maybe, oh, maybe 10, 12, and my mum would always try and wake me up in the morning I'm, I'm trying to stay in bed as long as I can. And there, she used this whistle, right? It was like, Anthony, it's time to get up. <laughs> Every morning. I still have, like, trauma. <laughs> Yet it was only about a month ago, after 20 long years in between, did I find myself saying, Ava and Zara, it's time to get up. I almost vomited on the spot. <laughs> we, we tend to imitate our parents in many, many good ways, sometimes in, in ways that make us just cringe, yeah? See, sometimes these traits, and even our appearance over time, we become more and more like our parents. And regardless of what, what feelings that might trigger for you, whether it's positive or negative or good or bad, there is a perfect heavenly father who you also reflect. And, and this, this heavenly father acts as the perfect example of love, perfect, perfect example of fatherhood, and the perfect example of someone who we should aim to imitate and reflect. And so that's what today's message is all about. The title of today's message is called The Ultimate Reflection. Because no matter what our experience of our fathers, of our, our parents, no matter what our upbringing tells us about ourselves, there is a father who is the ultimate example, the ultimate reflection by which we should live our lives. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we know that today can be a day of, of real pain. Father God, we know that no matter what our circumstance, no matter where our father's at, whether it's 
whether he's right beside us, whether he's, he's really far from us or whether he's been called home to you, Father God, that you, you are this ultimate example. Father God, as we unpack your word today, would you reveal to us who you see we are, who you call us to be. We invite you to be that ultimate example today. In Jesus' name, amen. Check out the screens. See you do it. Good job. Way to go. Way to go. Oh, dad's going down. So who knows that uh, as dads, sometimes we, we fail. My, my worst dad fail so far was late last year, and I was reminded of a very specific date, 1st of December, where I thought I had everyone packed in the car, ready for school, and so I, took, I, I drove away from the curb, only to hear a crazy, crazy scream. Not everyone was in the car. Zara was still outside the car and I managed to drive over her foot. The foot wasn't broken, 
all was fine. We went to the hospital, sorted it all out, just a bit sore and bruised, praise God. So who knows, as dads, we don't always get it right. <laughs> Even when we try hard to, to set the best example, we aren't, aren't perfect. We fail. Just so happens, mums don't always get it right either. Nor do grandmas or grandpas, uncles or aunties. None of us do. No matter who we are, it's a part of the human condition. <laughs> we fail. And for the Christians in the room, we're not exempt either. Unfortunately, society shows us that when dads fail, not just like the videos, but, but when they really mess up, it can have catastrophic effects on marriages, on families, on children, and for society as a whole. Statistics from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare show that whether we like it or not, men are twice as likely as women to drink alcohol at risk-taking levels. Men make up 75% of perpetrators in cases of family violence. Men are around three more times likely to die from suicide than females. And I can guarantee most of us in this room at least know of situations where these, these high-risk behaviours, family violence, suicide, have, have impacted maybe us personally or those around us. These behaviours and situations leave behind a trail of brokenness and trauma, not only to the individuals, but their families, and particularly their children, and, as, and society as a whole. See, whether it's caused by, by divorce or broken families, or by some of the effects of these issues we see all around us in society, more and more children grow up without fathers. Indeed, 85% of, of single-parent families don't have fathers in them. And this has been on an upward trend for decades, meaning many of us in this room will be affected in some way by these kinds of situations. Directly or indirectly, this leaves us with a problem of fatherlessness. As a result of the fallen state of the world in which we live today, remains a growing problem in Australia. Ballarat's not exempt. Sometimes it makes us think, where's, where's God in all this? How do we deal with these incredibly deep-rooted issues, not only as individuals, but as, as a community? Where do we look? See, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we might be confronted by our own failings. And we have many, like we've seen. The ways we don't measure up in the world. We don't feel enough. We don't feel worthy. We don't feel deserving. Or when we look in, in the mirror, we might be confronted by things in our past, in our upbringing that are less than ideal. Maybe trauma, brokenness, abuse, disappointment. Even if we had a good upbringing, Perhaps there were things that were said, actions taken, feelings hurt, relationships damaged. We look at ourselves in view of our circumstance, or in view of our past, often meaning we have this skewed image of our identity, of our worth and our value. And as men and women, parents or not, we view ourselves as products of this broken society we live in. And so we keep looking at, at, at images of, of, of worldly things around us, other worldly people who are all inherently flawed, just like us, trying to compare ourselves to them. 
even our own parents, as good as they may be, regardless of, of what they've done or what they, they haven't done, will never measure up to our expectations, nor will we measure up to theirs. See, the world wants to remind us of our failings, wants us to keep us in a place of, of feeling not valued, not worth it. The world wants us to adhere to its expectations of who we are, what it values, what it needs from us. It wants to make us overwhelmed, anxious, depressed. It wants to hold us back from who we truly are, what we were made for. And all we can see around us in society is problems, problems with identity, problems with fatherlessness. And so where do we look? Well, friends, it's time for a new mirror because there's something blocking this true image of who we are. We need to see a better reflection, but there's something in the way. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, where it says this. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Verse 15 says, Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this is speaking of Old Testament times when, when people full of their own brokenness couldn't have access to God, because God and sin can't exist coexist together. So in the, in the book of Exodus, we hear of the account of Moses, who would go up, up to, the, to the mountaintop, up to Mount Sinai, and spend time with the Lord, seeking his commands for the people of Israel. And because he had just a glimpse of God's glory, just a glimpse, when he came back down, his face shone. Exodus 34 says this, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant, in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Verse 33 goes on, when Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out, he told the Israelites what they had been commanded. They saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord. Because of his encounter with God, Moses reflected the glory of the Lord. It came when he was in the Lord's presence. But the thing was, it faded over time. And this is what the, the Corinthians passage is talking about. We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites seeing his, his face shining. But when, whenever anyone turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is, is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory that won't run out from the Lord 
who is the Spirit. Jesus at the cross made a way for us to enter his presence with unveiled faces. Not only enter his presence, but stand before his glory, his goodness, his radiance, and allow us to be transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. When we come to the cross, when we realise who Jesus is and all that the Father has done for us through him, that veil gets removed. And so we don't have to to try and see through the veil anymore. The, the, The picture gets clearer of who God is and who we are reflecting him. We can see a clearer picture. And when we call out to him and say, Father, when we understand him as that that ultimate heavenly father, he takes away the guilt, the shame, the feeling of inadequacy, that loneliness, those things of this world that try and hold us back from who we truly are. Our father is in the life, is in the business of life transformation. He restores us, he redeems us and walks with us, fathering us along this journey of sanctification, becoming more and more like him. The Father redefines our past and points us towards a new future. See, that's, that's the beauty of God being our heavenly Father. You slowly but surely start to look like him. You no longer look like the brokenness you once, once experienced, but you begin to reflect God in your life, in your actions, coming to see your heavenly father, not your past, in that mirror. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. The reason the world wants to tear us down and make us feel less than makes us stay in our failures and our shortcomings, the reason the world doesn't know who you truly are is because it doesn't know who your father is. The world doesn't know you because it doesn't know your father. I want to tell you a part of my story. I was born a long, long time ago in a year called 1986. I was born to unwed parents into a family who had recently experienced the trauma at the loss of a loved one. It meant that alcohol was used to help deal with some of that pain, often at levels that meant there was violence and anger and trauma. At the age of two, my parents separated and my father never returned, abandoning us. My grandfathers had already passed away, spending a lot of my my time with my mother's family, who were still processing and dealing with a tragic loss of their own. I grew up into my teens, feeling pretty lonely, pretty isolated, not having any brothers or sisters, not knowing what this thing called life was all about. As I approached adulthood, I knew there would be some parts of me that that meant that I could easily fall into unhealthy habits with alcohol just like some of my family were continuing to do after 20 long years. Feelings of inadequacy, feelings of of not belonging, not truly knowing who I am, certainly having no idea who God was. When I looked in the mirror, 
I saw a guy who really didn't know what being a man meant. I couldn't fix things. I didn't understand cars. Still don't. I wasn't a great sportsman. I actually had no idea what being a man meant, whatever that really means. Because, see, it had never been modelled to me. Or if I did, it certainly was never modelled well. There were plenty of things telling me I didn't measure up. And so, at the age of about 20, I got invited along to York Street, right here. So I started to hear some, some incredible things about God, about a heavenly Father who loved me so much, more than I could ever possibly imagine. Regardless of how well I could change a tyre, regardless of how good I was or wasn't on the sports field, but I still felt like that wasn't for me. This all sounds good, but it couldn't apply to me. Until one day, I was sitting down having a conversation with a member of this congregation. This, this man shared not only the true meaning of the gospel with me, but turned to me and said, Anthony, I love you. God loves you. Just the way he made you. It was then I saw Jesus come alive. This guy who barely knew me, barely knew anything I'd been through, would be willing to say that to me. To show me that unconditional love. That when God, when God says something about us, it must be true. That I was worth it. See, I don't know what you see in your mirror. We all have very different, difficult stuff. The world is full of physical fatherlessness. But even more so, it's in a world of spiritual fatherlessness. And I believe that in the deepest longings of our human hearts that we just desire to be known and loved and noticed. Romans 8.15 says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you may live in fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, we are his heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the power of a relationship with Jesus. The Heavenly Father adopts us as his own. He recalibrates and restores that reflection so that we reflect the right things. A life with Jesus means we wear the Father's identity. And so we root ourselves and centre ourselves on him, not our earthly heritage, no matter what it looks like, good, bad or otherwise. The Father restores what you reflect. My past no longer defines me. 
my Father in heaven defines me. Why don't you take a moment to, to bow your heads. Let these words just dwell with you right now. My past no longer defines me. My Father in heaven defines me. In every season he will carry me. He journeys with me through the deepest wounds of pain, anger, jealousy and fear. God takes the broken pieces of my life and uses it as a weapon for him. For his name, God has fulfilled my every need, my every longing and desire. The heavenly father loves me just the way I am. Looking around this room today, I, I can see many, many incredible dads and granddads. I can see men and boys that one day will become amazing fathers. And sadly, I can see some empty seats where incredible men and dads of faith once set, sat. We can be so incredibly thankful that today on Father's Day, we can stop and reflect and remember that we can be joyful or we can be sad. Whatever today, whatever today brings up for you, whatever you experience, that's okay. For every dad and every child in this place, that's all of us. Maybe today there's an opportunity to look in the mirror with an unveiled face and see your true reflection. Each one of us are called to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. You are valued. Never underestimate the work you do in your family or to those around you. Whatever role you play, society needs you. The kingdom of God needs you. As you go today, maybe you need to hear this. I love you. God loves you just the way he made you. Loving God, we, we lift up our hearts to you right now. Those emotions we're feeling, whether today means a day of happiness and joy, whether today means a day of pain and sorrow. Father God, no matter what we've experienced, no matter what we've come from, you are greater, you are stronger, and you see us exactly how we were made. Your beautiful creation, a loving and loved child of the Most High God. Lord God, would you fill us with your peace and grace right now? that we might just see a glimpse of your glory. Father God, be with our hearts right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.